All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of the Nico Celtics Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Lounsbury, here today with my co-host, Lucas Gaynor, after a Celtics bounce-back win on a back-to-back night against the Pelicans on the road. How are we feeling today, Lucas? Yeah, definitely feeling better after tonight's game than I was last night, but, you know, stay in the course. Uh, both uh, two uh, 30-point performances from both the Jays tonight, so, you know, things are on the up and up after, you know, a little bit of a disappointing uh, game in Atlanta last night. Yeah, man, it was it was nice to see the Celtics bounce back on the road. Two back-to-back road games are always tough traveling. You know, got to go to um, – and they just got it done against uh, – a Pelicans team didn't really have anybody – reliable on their team to even like put up against the Celtics duo of Jason and Jalen. Um, I thought Jason and Jalen were, were fantastic tonight. They came out and did what they had to do. Really the Celtics just needed them to be great and they were exactly great. Yeah, no, they were terrific. I mean, you know, Patrick, the first six, seven, eight minutes of that first quarter um, of the game tonight was really phenomenal. I mean, they were moving the ball all over the place. Um, you know, they were playing just absolutely stifling defense. I don't know what the score discrepancy ended up being at its largest, um, but the Celtics were up, you know, something like 28 to 6 or 24 to 6, uh, something to that effect. So they really came out firing. But, you know, the last few minutes, Smart came off the floor. I believe one of the Jays came off the floor. And, you know, the offense just sputtered. And then you obviously cannot hold the team in uh, in single digits for too long in the NBA. So, you know, the Pelicans made some more shots. Um, and then, you know, that kind of brought the game back within a bounce and uh, didn't really let the Celtics run away with it. Yeah, it's crazy, too, because uh, I guess the Pelicans, we mentioned that they both scored over 30. How many other times do you think the Celtics, um, Jalen and Jason, scored over 30 in the same game before um, tonight? Only one other time, right? Two, one or two? It would be three. This was their fourth time that they have gone 30 or more in the same game. They just did it recently. Yeah, this is only the fourth time, which is kind of surprising for, like, this duo. Um, They are the third best uh, scoring duo on the numbers in the whole entire league right now. Uh, And then also that also ties Larry Bird and Kevin McHale in 86 and 87 for the most games of 30 or more in the same outing. So they're they're creeping into some elite company. Anytime your name is mentioned – Along the, the names of Larry Bird and Kevin McHale, I, I guess you got to be doing a little something right, you know. So just kind of oh, good totally. to see Jason and Jalen kind of grooving a bit here, getting into some type of flow with each other. Hopefully that uh, this could be a little bit more of a not of a rarity as much as it is, uh, maybe more or so of like twenty five each every night would be kind of ideal. Um, but thirty is definitely a nice feat for both of them. Yeah, and like you said, you know, maybe 25 because, you know, both scoring 30 on the same night. I mean, that's no – it's nothing to sneeze at. You know what I mean? That's pretty impressive, honestly. And, you know, that's why it hasn't been done a, a bunch of times. But, you know, this is a good sign for them, you know, both playing well. You know, it felt, you know, for a, a month or so there, a couple months there that, you know, we would rarely get a game where they both played well together. You know, I think a lot of these games recently have quelled those doubts. And I also think uh, you can – I'm not going to say you can point directly to one man, but there is one other man not named Jason or Jalen who, you know, has a big impact on what uh, they're able to get theirs. And that man is Marcus Smart. And Patrick, you know, over the last four games, including the Atlanta game, which didn't really go well for anybody besides Smart, 
He's played phenomenal. I mean, you know, in the in the fifty point game from Tatum over the Wizards, and then the fifty point win over Sacramento, we touched on Smart being a plus seventy two. And then I believe he was a minus seven in the uh, Hawks game, which was the best of any of our, you know, big minute players. And tonight he was at a plus 28. So that's, you know, about a plus 90 right there. Um, a plus 95 in, the, in that range right there. So that just really shows you, you know, how much Smart has been playing. And honestly, you don't need to look at the box score to figure that out. Smart just making phenomenal defensive plays like he always does while continuing to grow into that, you know, floor general playmaker, you know, type of point guard that he's going to need to be for the Celtics to be a great. Marcus Smart has just honestly been the Celtics, I feel like, best player, even though Tatum and Brown have been, you know, scoring at will. And, yes, those are, like, the better players overall, our scorers, our main guys. But as far as how the team runs, it's running through Smart right now. And he had a season high in assists tonight with 12. He only had five points. But he just doesn't take many shots anymore. Like we're used to seeing Marcus Smart at the end of the games have nine, twelve, fifteen attempts. Um, he's finishing games now with three, four, five, six attempts max. You know, so seeing him really deferring to Jason and Jalen, which is smarter, right? You look at like tonight's box score and you see Jason Tatum taking twenty six shots and Jalen Brown twenty. Nobody else had more than seven. Jay, Jay Richardson had seven off the bench. So that's just indicating that, like, if we're going to lose, at least we're losing with our best players attempting to make shots because they understand the situation of the team is other people on the team aren't really reliable with shot making right now. Uh, you know, only time I really see guys kind of go into double figures and shot attempts, it's mainly going to be like a Robert Williams because he's just getting the the opportunities when he's rim running, you know, and, Tonight, Robert Williams had 16 rebounds, and he was just nasty on the boards as well. I thought he was um, doing well at boxing out and and really causing havoc and really good at you know just making shots difficult for the Pelicans when they were trying to get into the lane at times. So Robert Williams overall was solid tonight as well. But Marcus Smart deserves – credit man he has been forced into this playmaking role and he's embraced it and lately it's it's really been good when he's on the court oh yeah smart has just been you know phenomenal like we said you know he's really growing into that role but uh you know starting in the atlanta game you know there was a little graphic that uh you know popped up on the screen tonight during the game where smart spent you know about a total of um, like oh, 12 minutes, you know, guarding certain players, you know, in total, uh, um, in the Atlanta game and allowed zero points. So that's four and a half minutes uh, of those minutes on Trey young. Trey young ended up scoring zero points in the four and a half minutes. I mean, that might not seem like a lot of time, but for Trey young, that is most certainly a lot of time to go without scoring. So, you know, we all know what type of defense smart brings and people like to bind to the narrative, you know, sort of the beginning of the year that, Patrick, you know, maybe his defense has slipped. You know, he's just not that guy anymore. You know, I, I I never agreed with that, and I think that's very clear with this play. He's still the same old Marcus on defense. And um, as far as Rob goes, you know, you mentioned his, what did you say, 16 rebounds? 16, yeah. And, and some of those, Patrick, were loud rebounds. I mean, he was going up there, spearing it out of the air like KG used to do, and cuffing it and bringing it down. He was going up there high, grabbing it, you know, making sure everybody knew he was going to get it, so – you know, I'm sure he had some extra motivation, you know, like they said on the broadcast, playing in front of his family. You know, he doesn't get to 
big chance to do that. But I mean, let's just be real. Rob has been one of our four best players for a while now. Um, he's it's been he's been supplanted uh, Al Horford as you know the starting lead center on the team, and uh, you know I just love to see him develop. And you know Patrick, he took another step in his development tonight. You know, I say this sarcastically by attempting his first ever career NBA three pointer. I know you wanted that one to go. Oh man, I was I was jumping up out of my seat while I saw him attempt that. I saw Jason Tatum in the corner, the bench rise up behind Jason Tatum as he was in that little corner over there, and they were all just excited. And, and you know, I was hoping it was going to hit hit some back rim, but. What a fun moment for Robert Williams. But over his last 17 games, Robert Williams has averaged 10 points, 11 rebounds, and then 3.1 assists. Four and a half of his rebounds have been offensive. 2.7 blocks, 1.1 steals per game while shooting 73% from the field. Just an absolute monster, one of the best contracts in the league. Celtics really got themselves one with Robert Williams. There's a big reason why they don't want to move him and keep him there as a foundational piece with Jason and Jalen Brown. Oh, yeah, he's somebody who is, you know, for me, I don't want to say untradeable, but he's definitely, you know, one of – he's our most valuable player, honestly, outside of the Jays. Um, you know, especially when you factor in contract, he's on such a team-friendly deal going forward. Um, you know, sort of the Rashawn Holmes – you know, level contract, but, you know, Rashawn Holmes is a very fine player and a lot of teams could use him. And I think, you know, Rob and him are very similar, except Rob has a little bit of an added passing touch that a lot of guys who, you know, operate in Rob's role do not have. So, you know, I, we can give Rob all the praise that, you know, we want because he truly deserves it. Um, yeah, and honestly, the block shots are incredible. I mean, Celtics are top five in the NBA in blocks per game. And obviously Rob is, you know, the number one hand. Yeah, him and Horford definitely start out the season pretty hot with the blocks. So ran those numbers up, and Robert Williams has just been able to sustain it from there. You know, like I said, over those last 17 games, he's averaging 2.7 blocks per game. Just kind of been a menace as far as defensive goes. Uh, And then also just just really filling in that role. I mean, Jason Tatum has made it very vocal that he likes playing basketball with Robert Williams. Like when When Robert Williams is out there on the court, he makes it easier on him makes it easier for the team. He understands that this team has a better chance to win when Robert Williams is out there. And and that's something that has been questioned in his past is his availability. But this season, Robert Williams has really been able to stay on the court and play more minutes than he's ever been able to play in his career. And the development of Robert Williams has been wonderful to watch from, from a Celtic standpoint and a fan standpoint. Yeah, and like you said, you know, his availability was the big question. People never really doubted his talent or his ability like that. Um, it's just good to see him, you know, put together a stretch of healthy games, you know. Missed a couple recently with personal issues, uh, but, you know, that's obviously okay with, you know, the team, I'm sure. You know, rather him be correct mentally than have him forcing himself to play a game before he's right. Um, but, you know, physically he's been, you know, in great shape and uh, available. So it's pretty much all we can ask for because we know when Rob is out there, he's going to give us positive minutes. And like you said, make life on pretty much the entire team, but specifically our two stars, Jalen and Jason, makes their life just easier. Yeah, and talking about Jason Tatum here for a second, after dropping 38 points here against the Pelicans, he does move into the number one spot in total points leaders this season with 1,230 points. He's averaging 26.2 points per game. 
um, just moved up past Trey Young, who was the leader before tonight's game. Um, he has played three extra games over Trey Young, so that is a strong reason for it. And then uh, Giannis is in third, who's played six less games, and he's only behind by 50. Yeah, it just goes to show, you know, Tatum, although he started out the year shooting poorly, he's definitely picked it up, you know, especially in the new year. He's just been on an absolute tear. So, you know, you can't really fault Tatum, you know. Once the jumper keeps getting back, he keeps attacking the rim, man. I mean, seems like we're seeing good old Tatum, and honestly, my my faith in him as a player never wavered. So it's just good to see, you know, some reassuring games, you know, back to back to back to back pretty much. I mean, not like the Hawks game was amazing from Jason, but you know what I mean. As of late, he has, you know, played much better. Right, and then you got Jason Tatum, who is eighth right now as far as points per game, technically seventh. He's tied with Nikola Jokic um, at 26.2. Just overall having having a pretty good good year, even though people have been saying it's been a down year. He's still above a guy like John Morant, who's at ninth on the list, Seven Curry, who's at 10th on the list, so Luka at 12. So he's, he's ahead of some pretty big guys. And you also got Jalen Brown, who's at 15th on that list. So Jason Tatum at 7th. Jalen Brown at 15th, two of the top 15 points per game players uh, playing together here on the Celtics and just having kind of a down year. But but that just shows that like when these guys are really playing well and like the ceiling for them is even higher, right? Like they could be even better. This team could get better. Um, they just really need to do a good job of putting the right pieces around them. Uh, I know we and you have talked about it already, but, but like it's, I think we've, come to an agreement even more so clear since Marcus Smarts came back is that when they have a playmaker on the court, they're better. When they have shooters on the court, when they're better. Like this is this is just simple understanding and eye test when you watch this team. And it's just something that they need pretty badly right now. Like they just need to get those guys the right pieces around them. I don't even think that necessarily, yes, I understand Marcus Smart has been involved in some trade rumors and we've come to understand it. Like if, if he goes, we understand it, but it has to be for the right price. I'm almost on the, on the fence now of like, I want another playmaker. So when Marcus smarts, not on the court or vice versa, where Marcus smart, if Marcus smart can be staggered with another playmaker, we just need somebody who's able to control the offense and keep the tempo and keep everybody running through uh, in order to keep this team on track because Whenever they take Marcus Smart off, they lose that playmaking, and the team kind of crumbles a bit on offense. They kind of don't know what to do. They kind of go into ISO heavy, and that's when things start to fall apart. So it would just be nice to see us add somebody who is just another playmaker. You know, we just need playmaking on the court at all times. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, like you said, you know, the more it becomes like obviously, you know, Jason's development as an on-ball creator for others, you know, is definitely still an important part of his development as a player and the Celtics development as a team. But what can also be true at the same time is it makes Jason's life easier to have, like you're saying, a floor general, a Chris Paul type of Marcus Smart, you know, a player that like Marcus Smart is growing into being that type of guy, uh, Ricky Rubio. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm honestly Patrick. I don't you know me. I don't want to trade smart. I never wanted to trade smart, um, and it's becoming really hard for me to even you know conjure up some sort of deal in my head that you know the subjects come out on top of uh, where they move Marcus Smart uh, because it feels like you know a lot of the players you'd be able to trade smart for would result in the subjects getting worse. You know what I'm saying? Like 
you know, people will say, oh, well, you can get Gary Harris's expiring contract and some shooting with Terrence Ross. And it's like, okay, yeah, on paper, you know, okay, sure, that's a good move. You kind of get a defender that's in the same ilk as Smart. Uh, obviously, Gary Harris is not the defender that Smart is. And then you get some shooting in Terrence Ross. Well, yeah, on paper, that sounds all well and good. But then Gary Harris is gone after next year. And Terrence Ross is a rather streaky shooter, so you have pretty much just the streaky streaky shooter for Smart. That's not a trade I'm willing to make. Pretty much, you know. No, I agree with you uh, right there, and I I just don't see a move where Marcus Smart is involved for me to be like, yeah, that's something I want to I want to move this play right now. So I, I'm more on the train right now. Just just keep Marcus Smart. Like if there's a trade maybe in the off season that we feel like will make us better, cool. I just don't see with the type of guys that are available around the league. I'm not so sure that I'm willing to move Marcus Smart for really any of them. To yeah. be honest with you, uh, as far as playmaking goes, because who's the best playmaker that's been knownly available? There's not too many. Um, outside of like a Ben Ben Simmons, like is probably the big name. But we already know that realistically, that's that's going to be a hard sell. You would probably have to give up a package around Robert Williams, Marcus Smart, and some, and that's just something I don't think makes us better at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm in agreement there. Uh, but you know, we can just shift back to Tatum quickly. Just have a couple, maybe a little bit. I'll, I'll ask you some trivia questions today, as opposed to the other way around. I'll give you a chance to get some questions right. My first question, right. my first question here is uh what do you think the difference in Jason Tatum's three point percentage in wins and losses is? The difference between the two. Um I think in wins Jason Tatum is shooting this is 39 39 39% from deep and in losses he's probably shooting somewhere around 27. Oh, okay. Patrick, I'm just going to give you 100% correct on that one because he's actually, it's 38 in wins and 27 in losses. So, Patrick. No way, no way. There's way, no way. There's way. no way, bro. This way, impressive. I think I'm perfect. That's Pretty wild. much. You said 29, but we'll give you the extra point. You know, I'll you give it. Point. Yeah. I'm yeah. giving you that. So, basically, I mean, it just shows how much of, you know, the Celtics – you know, losses, a lot of them do really come down to bad shooting. And I know we're just looking at Tatum shooting numbers, but I'm positive. You look across the team, you know, the Celtics shooting percentage in wins from three is going to be drastically better in wins than losses. And, you know, that might seem kind of obvious, you know, to someone listening maybe. But the the the, the big key here is the 10% swing in Tatum's in Tatum's, you know, percentage. It's not like, oh, we're just shooting slightly better in wins and slightly better in losses. No, there's a big gap, and I'm sure that would hold up um, with the Celtics as well. And now one more question, Patrick. Tonight, tonight, Jason Tatum was 17 of 26 from the field. Can Uh you guess his shots, like his shots made and shots attempted from inside the arc tonight? He was thirteen of thirteen inside. He the arc. Oh, so you knew he was perfect. I knew this of 13 one. Thirteen inside of the arc, and that just is further proof that just goes to show when Tatum is at a downhill attacking mentality, you know it's really hard to stop him. And I'm not saying all thirteen of those were even easy shots. Like he hit some amazing fadeaways, you know, some very difficult shots. But I just think getting him going down inside frees up the rest of his game. And I think we've been saying that for a while now, Patrick. 
And it's definitely clear that Tatum, you know, is under. Let me counter you on that, that now. Okay. So, so Tatum is just a second Celtics player to make at least 13 field goals inside the arc without a miss. Who's the second? He's a legend, isn't he? I can't give anything away. I'm just going to go with the uh, guy who I know shot a high percentage and was in the paint a lot for the Celtics. I got to go with Bill. It's not Bill Russell. It's actually a, a former teammate of Jason, of Jason Tatum. What? And he went 16 of 16 in 2019. I mean, I'll, I'll give you one more guess here. 16 of 16 inside the arc. Oh, it had to be Isaiah. Nope. It was, it was in November 5th, 2019. It was Gordon Hayward. He was 16 of 16. Wow. You know, wow. My, I'm sorry, Gordon. I mean... I do not remember that at all, but uh, that's impressive. That's impressive. I said Bill Russell. I was only off by about 60 years, huh? <laughs> just a little <laughs> bit. Just a little. Yeah, absolutely. So, but, uh, but Look at that. I just had to counter your uh, your little trivia with some more trivia inside that trivia. Yeah. <laughs> so lastly, last little note on Tatum here before we kind of move on is uh, you know, in the month of January – this is not counting tonight's game, so, uh, you know, the stats will go up a little bit. But, you know, in 13 games in January, um, Tatum was averaging 27, 8, 4 and a half on 45 from the field and 33 from three. So, you know, the splits are just climbing from that first uh, – October, first, really the first month in October, six games where Tatum shot 27% from three, uh, you know, just slowly climbing his way back up there. And the Celtics are, you know, winning more games than they used to. So I would say things are on the up and up, Patrick, at least for me. I, I'm feeling good about the team right now. You know, whether or not we make any moves at the deadline, um, which we can get into in a little bit if you want to. Uh, I, I'm feeling yeah, and and like I said to uh, another another statement on the Jason and, and Jalen Brown stat, remember I mentioned the thirty points four times this season. That's as as often as they did in their first four seasons combined as teammates, and there's no other duo that has done it more than twice this season. But do you know the other duo that has done it? Maybe Demar and Zach Levine. I do not. I probably. You probably could have. I, I dare to you. You could have definitely done it. But um, just, just nice little, little stat there, man. When, when Jason and Jalen are rolling, man, they're they're really rolling. They're doing some things that no other duo in the league is really doing. That just because uh, people have been been talking about them way too often. About hey, can they play together? Are they compatible? Blah blah. Should they break them up? And Lucas and I have been pretty clear on. It's not giving any of that energy to that type of talk. That's just – it's blasphemous. We don't want to get rid of Jalen or Jason at any point. Uh, ideally, we'd like to watch both these guys play in a Celtics uniform majority, if not all their career. These guys are electric. They're two wings that are very hard – you know, hard type of style of player to get a very high dynamic score from the wing position that can get you a bucket from inside and out. Jason and Jalen are, are a really good compatible duo. They just need the right players to be put around them. They have a couple pieces in Robert Williams and Marcus Smart, but they do need to do a little bit more work and, and see if they can add a little bit of tweak in here and there. Hopefully Brad's got something up his sleeve. Yeah. And you know, as far as the, uh, yeah, like as far as the deadline is concerned, 
you know, like I'm with you. I was always for, you know, the tweaks, like tweaking the edge of the roster, you know, maybe, you know, give some of our extra second round picks up. You know, I was always willing to ship, you know, a pro- who I still think is a promising young player to some degree, like a guy like me Smith, uh, you know, Romeo, God forbid, you know, Grant or Pritchard, I wouldn't like to, but you know, for upgrading players, you know, I think I would be okay with that. But I'm also at this point, Pat, personally, I'm okay with trading Dennis, getting us under the tax, and, you know, really not making any crazy improvements this year. Um, and, you know, maybe letting Pritchard run up some more minutes. And if you don't move Neesmith, definitely letting him run up some more minutes in the regular rotation, trying to get him acclimated. Because if we're not going to trade him, you know, He's going to be on this team. He's going to be on this team. So I wouldn't really be upset if we got under the tax, put us in a in a good financial position to make a move for a bigger fish a la Bradley Beal, you know, God forbid, Ben Simmons, you know, in a different scenario this summer. So I really am not going to be upset either way. However, I will be upset a little bit if we stay in the tax and don't make any moves. Like say we just keep our roster as is and then, you know, we end up being in the tax. That would be a little upsetting because – then you're costing the team money down the line. Um, and so you're not, you know, punish, uh, positioning yourself, you know, in the best possible way financially. And also you didn't do anything, you know. Like, like it would be one thing if we're in the tax pat and we added some new players. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't care at all about the tax, you know what I'm saying? But it's a whole other game when we don't add anybody new and, you know, we're, we end up paying the tax because that will come hurt the Celtics down the road one year because – the real danger of the sales tax, so basically for, you know, I'm not sure, you know, for people who aren't familiar with the sales tax, basically if you're above the salary cap, you pay an extra luxury tax. And then if you're in the luxury tax multiple years in a row, you pay repeater tax. So the tax about doubles that second time. So, you know, that's not a time, you know, when we're extending Jalen, that's not going to be a time when we're going to be paying, you know, we're going to want to be paying that tax. So I would say get under the tax for now, even if, you know, it costs us some wins down the stretch. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. How would you feel, Patrick, if we didn't really make any moves besides getting under the tax? I know I rambled. No, I mean, um, I think I, I've i been on the, that boat as far as, like, coming into the season, I thought it might be a bridge year anyways and kind of, like, focus on some development on the team. Uh, so getting under that tax and this kind of just focus on Peyton Pritchard and Romeo and – and Neesmith kind of get it, give them a grasp of, Hey, how well can we develop you guys? What can you offer to this team? But also give them the opportunity to develop because if they develop, even if it's not something you want for the future on your team, you could still end up flipping them for more if they perform better. So my thing right now is that they're not performing well, which means we're selling them for the worst value that they possibly could be at. And there's potential for them to be worth a lot more than than what they're valued at is right now. And, and also, I think that there's a big possibility, too, that the Celtics could find a trade partner to take on Al Horford because there's some teams that need to be at a certain level cap-wise uh, or you get penalized for not having enough uh, money going out. So uh, I, I think a team to kind of watch and look for possibly maybe is uh, – Sending out Horford, I know, back to OKC or possibly even like a Houston team. Maybe even take back Daniel Tyson the deal or something. Uh, I wouldn't mind doing something like that. And it, it's going to, it would hurt our starting five because I think, 
Al Horford, Robert Williams, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart. Starting five has been really good, one of the best net rating teams. But getting under that tax line is important. We don't want a repeater tax. That's when it gets bad. When things are repeated, like that repetitive tax is terrible. But you're willing to pay the repetitive tax if you're competing for championships. Thing is, is this team this year is not competing for a championship. Sorry to burst any Celtics, you know, optimism bubbles out there. And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer with it, but it's in reality is this this team has a little bit more work to go in order to get there. We don't think it's far, but it's clear that they're missing pieces and just not there yet. Yeah. So obviously I agree. You know, I don't think, you know, we're next year, I think is the year where I, the Celtics could, you know, legitimately be considered title contenders. You know, I don't think you're burst. I mean, if you're bursting, if we're bursting bubbles here at this point in the season with that news, Patrick, you know, I think we're doing uh, we're doing a favor to whoever's bubble we're bursting because you know reality check has to come at some point. And it's not that I, you guys know, I don't feel terrible about the Celtics. It's just you know, you got to know what they're capable of right now. And right now, I think their ceiling is the second round. Um, you know, obviously, Patrick, I'd love to be as wrong, wrong as can be about that. Um, but yeah, as far as the repeater pa- repeater tax, you know, um, Patrick is referencing basically the tax goes up from like one dollar and fifty cents. For every dollar above the tax line, so you're paying the extra dollar and fifty uh, for every dollar you go over the tax. It's two fifty for the repeater tax. So you can't be uh, you can't afford to pay. For example, you know, say you're one million dollars above the tax. What that means, if you're paying the repeater tax, you're paying an extra two point five million on top of that. So instead of one million, you're paying three point five. Just not something teams can really afford to do, especially when you have a guy like Jalen coming off the books in a couple of years. Um, but how about this? You know, I would like to send personally. I would do this deal: Al Horford and a 2023 lottery protected first round pick for Eric Gordon and Daniel Tice. I would do that personally. I would do that. Honestly, I'm I'm with to send it in. Send it in. Brad, send it in right now. And specifically with the lottery protection. Now, I'm not like I'm not willing to give up a top 14 pick for Eric Gordon and and uh, Tice, but I would give up, you know, 15 and up to get off Horford's money, bring in a shooter and a good defender like Eric Gordon, who's literally having a career best year. And, you know, bring back Tice as a rotational big. And, uh, who honestly, you know, Patrick, this might be crazy to say, but Tice might be spacing the floor a little better than Al Horford. I have no idea what Tice is shooting from three, but, uh, I know it can't be too much worse than what Al's shooting. No offense to Al. Uh, I, I will definitely look that up here. Let's see. Daniel uh, yeah, Tice. I'm- yeah, I can tell you uh, Al is shooting 28.5%. From deep? Yes. Oh, man. And Daniel Tice is shooting. 29. So, yes, he's an increase by one percentage point. <laughs> With the looks that I'll be getting, though, man, if, if Tice is getting those looks, maybe Tice gets up, you know, because I don't yeah. know if uh, the creation for Daniel Tice is – uh, been as good as for Al Horford because the gravity of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum really is something to behold. It's definitely yeah. different than anything he's playing with in Houston. No offense. You know, they have some good young talent, but we all know they're one of the worst teams in the league. No, absolutely. And we've, we've seen Jason Tatum with his potential assist. Like it's, it's been insane. He's, he's a part of a, He's a part of a group. He's among some of the top guys, you know, who just happen to be getting the bad end of the stick as far as potential Cisco. So um, I think Jason Tatum 
this passing this year has been really good. I think it's really going to be in the box score display more once we get some shooters around. You know who doesn't deserve the short end of the stick? You, when it comes to when it comes to taking care of your facial hair, that's why I need you to go over to manscaped.com and use our code hoopball20 for your 20% off because you deserve to take care of your facial hair. Listen, my own barber roasted my mustache, okay, when I went to get my haircut a few days ago. He told me, you don't even know what shape you want your mustache. And I said, you know what, you're right, I don't. So I went home, I went on Manscaped, I got some grooming products, and I'm on my way to, you know, making sure my mustache looks as good as it can be. And, uh, you know, I think Manscaped can go a long way. So once again, that's HoopBall20 is the code you need to use for 20% off, and make sure make sure you go do that. Hey, man, at least you're able to grow a mustache. You know, I'm over here. You know, I got like a little little, little thing going to connect the beard, but nothing nothing too crazy, and you know, I can't really grow much right there. So still kind of a little bit on the peach foot size. But, yeah, head over there to Manscaped and, and get that uh, – Hoopball 20 discount in there to get you guys 20% off. Uh, but yeah, this team is, this team is kind of everything that we thought um, it's, it was going to be uh, after watching the first quarter of the season and nothing's really changed much. I mean, they're getting better on defense and when the defense is locked in, it's, it's solid, right? We're, we're a good defensive team, but it really comes ultimately down to it's a make or miss league. And when the Celtics are shooting and making shots with that defense, they could beat anybody any given night. Now, when the shots aren't falling, they could lose to anybody on any given night. So it's just been kind of uh, a really make or miss season for the Celtics. And it's just tragic to watch because the stat came up about the their three-point shooting. They've had six games this year of shooting 30% or less from three. That is the most in the league. Those all came in losses. So uh, one of those games was against Atlanta. So a recipe for disaster for the Celtics is they can't fall in love with the outside shot. They need to get going by going downhill. I think Jason Tatum, especially as we talked recently, has been making that an assertive effort. I think that Atlanta did a good job in that game of just making the Celtics uncomfortable by by blocking a few of those drives. And then they got into this, I want to settle because I've driven twice and got blocked both times, you know? So it kind of like messed with their mindset and they kind of went back into, Hey, let's just shoot some long jumpers again. And ultimately I think that's how the Atlanta Hawks defeated the Celtics. I think they, they beat them mentally as far as getting them out of um, their headspace for, for wanting to go and drive. Uh, you know, I hate to see you know, the team start to chuck, you know, when we've been playing such good offense there to get back into that game. That was definitely a little disappointing. And Patrick, I do have the numbers for the entire team now. Uh, what we shoot in wins and losses. Would you like to guess or would you like me just to read them off? Let's 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 get some let's get some guesses in here. I, I don't have it up, so I will do my best here. So wins, right? so wins here. What do you think Celtics are shooting in wins? Are we talking about field goal or three-pointers? Three-pointers, three-pointers. All right, three-pointers. In wins, I'm guessing the Celtics are shooting 36.8%. Okay, and what about losses? What about losses here? In losses, in losses, I'm guessing they are shooting 
27.9. It was a it was a valiant effort. Not quite as close as your last one, but they are shooting. Damn. They are shooting. So you were within 1.2 on the first one. They're shooting 38% from three in wins. And they're shooting 29.9%, so about 30% in losses. So there we go. The, like I said, you know, the big discrepancy in wins and losses, that's eight percentage points, which is most definitely a specific or a, uh, a significant, I should say, you know, difference in shooting. And, you know, they take about the same attempts. So that just really, uh, really equates to about three threes. So that's nine points. So that's a nine point swing. And, you know, the Celtics have been in a lot of like pretty close games where uh, nine points definitely would have saved them down the stretch. So, you know, I don't think we need to provide much more evidence to show that, you know, when the Celtics are making their threes, they're a much harder team to beat. Yeah. They're three and 13 and games decided by five points. So there, there, there you go right there. 13 losses. Uh, when the game has been decided by five points. So those nine points right there, way, that's all I'm saying a long way. 13 more points, man. We the best team in the NBA right now. You feel me? The 13 games, man. Even just getting 10, 8 of those games, man. We're looking like a top seed, you know? So it's it's just crazy. This, the Celtics have as much of a roller coaster of a season as it may have felt. The team is above 500, right? They're, they're still 8th seed, I think, right now in the East. Yes, they're 8th seed and are 7 games back from the 1st seed. They're they're just kind of trekking along. You know, it's it's looking like a plan type season because you have teams like Cleveland that's 30 and 19, which is wild as I'm looking at it. Uh, Philly's 30, uh, 30 wins, 19 losses. Chicago, 30 wins, 18 losses. Uh, a lot of teams this year just, just been playing really well. They kind of came out of uh, nowhere like Cleveland and Toronto's playing a lot better. And then you got teams that were really good last season that are kind of struggling. Like Atlanta just has been on a win streak. Like despite them just being on a, a tear, I think they're on a six-game win streak when they beat us. That made it six. They're still two games under 500. And they went on a six-game win streak. And um, I, do think I, it's worth I only think we have – have we gone on a six-game win streak this no, year? No, no. We there haven't. you go. So there no. you go. No, I was going to say I do think it's important to know. You know, yes, that game definitely was frustrating. People are going to say, oh, look, you lost to the crappy Hawks. But the Hawks, you know, like you said, man, they're on a six-game win streak. They're definitely playing better than the record has uh, has been the entire season. So I don't want to get too down. You know, yes, it was frustrating, but the Hawks are playing much better basketball, man. They, they were playing good basketball. You know, Gallinari was channeling his 2011 self from when he played for the Nuggets and from when he played for the Knicks, man. He was just cooking. And uh, John Collins was making every shot basically he took inside the paint. You know, I thought we were playing against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with a couple of those hook shots, Patrick. I couldn't believe it. But, uh, you know, the Hawks played a good game. All credit to them. And, uh, you know, the Celtics just need to keep pushing. And, you know, Patrick, I do think, like we said, we kind of know what this team is, but they've definitely been improving. You know, like we said, you know, the January-February schedule is going to be a little easier, and it sure is. And uh, I think that's kind of bared out in the Celtics, you know, winning games and just looking better and – uh Overall, you know, yeah, I feel good about the team. You know, don't feel as good as I could, obviously. You know, but uh, I don't know. It's crazy to see where uh, where you place your expectations. I'm happy to be over 500, and I'm happy to get a win against the shorthanded Pelicans tonight. That's pretty much all I can. Absolutely. Um, dude, I, I got a little trivia here for you. Let's see. Where do you think the record is for the Celtics against below 500 teams? Can you just tell me how many games it is at least? Yes, yes. So there's 28 games that they've had against 
below 500. What do you, you know think? I'm going to say, you know what? I'm just going to say 14 and 14. Close, close. It's 15 and 13. Okay. 15 wins, 13 losses. Now, above 500, there's been 23 games. What do you think the record is there? It's probably telling with the record. I mean, yeah, right so, so. We're, so 15 and 13, that's 28. You know, so I would say, what about, how about 9 and 5? Is that close? Um, it's 11 and 12. So I was way short on games, and I was also had the wrong idea about having a winning record. So tonight was not my best trivia night. I apologize, everyone, but 11-12. No. So we're pretty much – Not too bad. Yeah, pretty much not too bad. I have the Almost. same record against below 500 teams and, five, and above 500 teams. Exactly. So, like, this, the Celtics team has kind of been very middle ground is what I'm trying yeah. to get at here. Yeah. They've been in the middle ground, but they're also a team with a first – your head coach, a, a team with, you know, having a lot of guys in and out of the lineup. This whole team got hit with COVID earlier on, just like a lot of the league. So it's like, it's been a weird first half. It wouldn't shock me if the Celtics, not saying it's going to happen, but maybe the second half, of you know, after the all-star break, maybe they go on some runs, you know, maybe they, they really start to gel. Maybe we do some things at the trade deadline that really kind of put us up in a, in a better direction and we start climbing a little bit more. So, there's still room for optimism is where I'm saying with the Celtics. They, they definitely aren't uh, a team that's, I feel like everything is like all lost with them. You know, I, I think that they've been playing well enough. They've also are only 14 and a half games back from the best record in the NBA. I know that seems like a lot, but you know, like seven from third or so it's, there's a lot of room to grow. There's there's streaks to go down. Line. I, I think the Celtics team could go on a win streak. You know, teams can go on losing streaks, and they can start moving up and down this uh, overall standings. Yeah, I agree. Definitely doesn't feel like all hope is lost. It also definitely does not feel like uh, you know we're pining we're pining for you know the Larry O'Brien Trophy in June as well. And I think that's okay. You know, people have some idea that if you know we're not competing for a title, we need to blow it up like. That's honestly a little childish uh, of a view, in my opinion. I don't mean to alienate anyone who thinks that way, but it's just like, you know, the Celtics being such a successful franchise over the years, they don't kind of realize what it's like to, you know, be, you know, outside of the middle of the road, you know, a smaller market franchise. Like a lot of these, uh, like tanking is just not an option for a lot of these teams. Like, you know, cause they don't have the free agent polls or, you know, things of that nature. Um, to get star players in the building. So they have to be, you know, really okay with competing, you know, for that, you know, five through eight seed every year. And, you know, I'm not saying that's what the Celtics are going to do, but I just think that just because we're in that, you know, I mean, really we're in that seven to 11 range, really just because that's the case this year does not mean all hope is lost and does not mean we need to trade Jalen Brown for draft picks and figure it out next year. Nope. I think we just need to incrementally improve and, you know, this team will be a top four seed you know, in the coming years for a while to, for a while to come, as long as Jalen and Jason are wearing Kelly green. Wait, you don't want to tank? Um, oh, you're no. hesitating. He hesitated. No, no, no. no, 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 that hesitation was me. No, that hesitation was me <laughs> leaning in to get as close to my microphone as I could before I said, no, <laughs> that's what that was. Definitely. <laughs> All right. I don't know. I don't know. I'll let, I'll let the listeners decide. Oh, on that. Yeah, but oh, uh, yeah. that was, that was a pretty big pause though, man. So, um, no, but I, I think this team is definitely, uh, I, I, you know, it's encouraging. I think we're just 
a bridge year, development year. Wait, Patrick. Sorry about Patrick. I mean, I don't know, man. I think uh, I think that's pretty much all I got. I don't know if you got anything else to add here. No, nah, man. That's pretty much all I have as well to add. Um, just make sure that everybody else, uh, you do go on to Apple Podcasts. Leave us those five-star reviews and write us a good review. Um, also, on Spotify, you can write, uh, give us five stars now, which is pretty awesome. So listen to our show. Give us the five-star rating. It is much appreciated. You can also follow me at Ballin Opinions on Twitter. You can follow Lucas at Luca underscore Gator. You can DM us, ask us questions, anything you want to hear on the show. Uh, we take any type of requests like that. We'll do our best to accommodate to it. And also follow the show at Ethos Celtics uh, as well on Twitter. Um, I got nothing else to add here today. Lucas, you got anything you'd like to add? Nothing for me, man. Uh, I'm just excited for our Monday game against the Miami Heat. Hopefully we can hold them, you know, under under uh, 100 points like we did last time. So really, really looking forward to that one. Yep, yep. I'm really looking forward to the Miami Heat game that we got looking um, next week. So me and Lucas will be with you guys after that game for some coverage and another podcast. All and right. Also, shout out Patrick's Niners. Please beat the Rams. Shout out my Bengals. I'm a Bengals fan. I always have been my entire life. Um, go Bengals. Beat the Chiefs. Go United States men's soccer. I'm it's calling out Lucas for for the fake shout out just because he picked the Rams to win. Um, but yeah, let's go Niners. On okay, Sunday. listen, Patrick. I want you to be. <laughs> I want you to be happy before my picks are right. So go Niners. All right, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You'll be rooting for them, but you think the Rams win. I got yes, you. Precisely, I got you, Nate. Precisely. Okay, I got you. Yeah, let's go Niners on Sunday. Uh, everybody, thank you again for stopping by the Ethos Celtics podcast. Me and Lucas, 